What is going on, everyone? We are Wiz and Guru. We're back here for some fantasy impact as it relates to rookies combining with existing rosters and uh, and seeing how that's going to uh, lend itself to the upcoming fantasy football season. Uh, Guru, how are you today? I am marvelous. Thank you, Wiz. How are you? I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about one thing uh, before we get right into the NFC North is, uh, you know, I think we need to bring some musicality into the show. And, uh, you know, we have our friend Rick, who uh, is uh, a really, really fine musician. Uh, he promised to uh, write us, I think, some uh, some music for the show. Uh, he's a, a self-taught guitar player. He's a self-taught piano player. And, uh, you know, he, he, he promised, and uh, counting on him, I'm sure he'll do a great job writing us some music for the show. Just right now, uh, currently, he's having a little problem uh, with his piano. It's uh, not in tune. Some of the keys aren't working. Uh, it's getting repair work. I guess so, uh, which is probably what is going to happen when you buy a grand piano from Craigslist for fourteen dollars. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move right into the NFC North and uh, talk about my beloved Vikings first. Uh, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for them. But uh, why don't you take the lead and uh, tell us about their draft, their existing roster, and uh, how you think that's going to play out for the upcoming year. You know, so I'd say that the one thing with the Vikings is they, they had a heck of a lot of draft picks, and they actually added a couple through trade. So, so they 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 did a lot with this draft, and I think that you know one one wide receiver that I know you were super excited to get was, and that was Justin Jefferson from LSU. Uh, we didn't think he'd fall as far as to the Vikings at that in that in that twenty second spot, but he did, and he's basically going to be looked at as an as an heir apparent. And I think one of the things that we'll talk about uh, as we move along here, and, and what this means for the roster, because you know losing a guy like Diggs is is a big deal. This is a an established receiver, uh, pedigree is strong, and what this means for Adam feeling moving forward, because I don't think it's an automatic thing where, okay, Diggs is gone. Thielen's Thielen's the number one guy now and Jefferson's there and how that all plays out. It takes time for that to play out. And, you know, quite frankly, Thielen's probably going to get a lot more attention going forward. So it'll be interesting to see how that does play out. I know, you know, the interesting thing with Adam Thielen, um, you know, look, he, he was hurt last year. He had an incredible start to his, 2019 uh, season, sorry, 18 season, where he broke NFL records with the number of catches in the first half of the year and 100-yard games. So, you know, this player is going to be expected to bounce back. So how he can bounce back, depending on the guys around him, is going to be a big deal. And Jefferson's going to be a big part of that. They also signed Tajay Sharp, but he's kind of going to be a number four receiver. And, and the kid they drafted last year, B.C. Johnson, actually did have some moments where he contributed. I think, you know, first and foremost, the Vikings had to help themselves, you know, on the offensive line, which they did in drafting Ezra Cleveland. This is a secondary that needed help. Its front defense was very, very strong. So they did add secondary help. So hopefully Mike Zimmer's defense can return to its uh, more dominating style that they were as a 2008 defense, where they definitely were off last year. I'd say the last thing, you know, they did lose their offense coordinator who went on to coach the Cleveland Browns, and that's Kevin Stefanski, but I don't think they're going to change their scheme much. You know, Dalvin Cook is a dynamic runner. He is probably a top five running back coming into the season. I think the one thing to remember with the Vikings, and I know you'll talk a little bit more about this, but they do have an elite backup 
in, in Alexander Madison, and we're always talking about that. So if anything were to happen to, to someone like Cook, Madison could step in and do a lot of damage uh, for the upcoming season. Yeah, I, I like Jefferson. He, he's a polished young receiver. I mean, he, I, I felt that Jefferson, um, Jerry Judy, and T.D. Lamb were the three most polished receivers that are really NFL-ready. So I think the Vikings are absolutely thrilled that they were able to get him with the 22nd pick. And probably very surprised that the Eagles, who were going to definitely pick a receiver right in front of them, did not take uh, Jefferson. But th- I'm just going to talk about one. You touched on a, you know a lot of good points, uh, so there's no reason for me to go over the same thing. But the, the one player that I think is interesting to me is Irv Smith. I think anytime you have these players that are going from year one to year two or year two to two, to year three, he just has the look of one of these guys that once he gets his confidence going, he can really be a, a productive uh player on the offense and I think he's the guy one of the one of the guys to really look out on the Vikings this year and we're going to certainly get into you know much more of this as the season gets close to the season but he is among the group of tight ends the young tight ends that could become a fantasy factor this year so Irv Smith is a guy that I'm looking at just Justin Jefferson was uh, is, is polished uh, receiver and uh, and a good pick and uh, we'll see we'll see how it all plays out for the Vikings uh, coming into the year uh, let's let's segue to the to the probably the team that had the most controversial draft not only this past year but probably a while uh, the Green Bay Packers um they, you know, moved up to take a quarterback while having Aaron Rodgers, uh, who has four years left on his contract. So tell us about fantasy implications from the draft and how that's going to impact um, the upcoming season for Green Bay. All right. So Aaron Rodgers is 37. He's got a bunch of years left on a contract right now. So I'm not in the room. I don't know what's going on. Obviously, the Green Bay Packers are a little bit different. They they don't have a, a direct owner. Um, you know, this decision is made at the top. And when I say the top, it's the GM that makes the call. I don't, you know, I'm not in the room to know that a phone call was made to Aaron Rodgers to say, hey, Aaron, just to let you know, we're going to take Jordan Love. This team traded up to get the player. So clearly, the GM wanted the player. Uh, this is a team coming off a 13-3 and season. Uh, they were just a little bit shy of, of, of going to the to, to the Super Bowl. Uh, so it is, it is very curious that they, that, that this happens and, you know, it's a potential distraction coming into the season. I think it's what they did and didn't do on the offensive side that, that makes things more compelling. So Aaron Jones had a tremendous offensive season last year, 19 touchdowns, uh, started to really develop as a more dynamic, uh, pass catcher out of the backfield. Not, you're necessarily you're pounded in from the one or two yard line guy. So they did draft a guy who I think they see as being more in that role, and that's A.J. Dillon. So that certainly diminishes the return on, on an investment on somebody like Aaron Jones for the upcoming season. Not to say that Jones won't be effective, but there's another body there. And Dillon's got a lot of carries to his name. So he... So that's one thing to keep in mind. But look, I think he's gonna. It's gonna be a little bit more of a thunder and lightning um, equation uh, for the Green Bay Packers this year uh, in the backfield. They did add a bunch of offensive linemen. This is they, they lost Beluga. They they had some injury issues last year, so they did draft three offensive linemen to help out later in later in the draft. And I think it's what they didn't do at the receiver position, um, where once again, as you said, you know, no 
with, with a, this was a very very strong receiver draft. They really didn't they didn't take anyone, which is kind of head scratching. They come into this draft with a bunch. You know, obviously Devontae Adams is a tremendous player. Lazard had a couple of good games last year, but I would say inconsistent. And they have a big lug like uh, Funchess, who really is just a slow plotting wide receiver that's a big in stature. Um, they got Scantling. Uh, Scantling as well, and you know this is not really a. This is a team that actually, an Equinemius St. Brown, I should say, from from Notre Dame, who had a couple of good games last year as well. But they really don't have a slot receiver, and they're going to be going and depending on a, a, a tight end who last year was drafted that Sternberger because they lost Jimmy Jimmy Graham. While Jimmy Graham's best years are well beyond him, you know Sternberger is going to have to come in and, and and make some significant contributions for the coming year. Yeah, so I'm going to really touch more. Yeah, I'm going to touch, talk a little bit more about the Jordan Love pick. So there's a few interesting dynamics that go into this pick. First of all, Jordan Love is not ready to play. That's one. Number two, for the people uh, who think, or certainly the PAC organization think that he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, I think he has a much more likelihood of becoming the next Jay Cutler. Um, I don't like the way he reads defenses. He makes mistakes. He doesn't seem to have a real good understanding of football. And another dynamic is sometimes you come in and you have a veteran quarterback who appears to just be like a sweetheart of a guy that'll help you along, groom you, like at Alex Smith and Eli Manning. It's just their type of personality. Aaron Rodgers is not that guy. So I think th- that's not going to go well. Also, I believe even stronger now than I my prediction of a week or so ago, how it's going to go for Green Bay. I think it's going to be a terrible season for Green Bay. And I think at the conclusion of the season, Aaron Rodgers is going to demand a trade. Um, but if, if Jordan Love is forced to play this year or next year, I do not see him being productive at all. Um, so I think it's not going to go well between the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, that entire triangle. A.J. Dillon, A. Dillon is a good pick. He could be a very good runner in bad weather, which often happens in Green Bay with the cold, and he's certainly used to playing that at D.C., a workhorse guy at D.C. He's not going to be afraid of a heavy workload. I think maybe one of the things the Packers are going to be forced to do is kind of use Aaron Jones more out of the backfield, bring him the ball, and kind of figure out a way to play Dylan and Aaron Jones at the same time because uh, they really don't have much help at wide receiver and the tight end uh, aside from Devontae Adams. So we'll see how it plays out, but I think it's going to be a very controversial and, uh, and not, a, not, a, not a good year for, for Green Bay. Uh, so, a lot more, and- uh, so a lot more Aaron Rodgers scowls, you're saying? A lot more. Aaron Rodgers, scowls, and who knows how long that mustache is going to grow this year. He may be angry. Uh, (laughs) Moving on to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Interesting team. Um, You know, a defensive coach uh, took a running back early. They have a young running back. So let's get some thoughts on what you think the fantasy impact of the Lions draft coming into the season is going to be. So I think a combination of what the Lions did before the draft in, in signing guys like Jamie Collins, as you mentioned, Matt Patricia, a defensive guy. So he goes with Akuda, and then he comes back with Aquara in, uh, in, in the third round. So 
they're adding defense here, no question about it. But they're also looking they're also looking at the offensive side of the ball. Carry on Johnson two years in a row while he's playing and healthy, very effective. But that's the problem. Got to stay on the field, and they they go with a guy like Swift who who can play three downs for them. Certainly, I think you know with like like with a lot of teams, you're certainly going to see split time with those guys. So, I think it was an interesting choice to pick. Swift in that spot, but this is the direction that they've decided to go. Uh, you know, they have a really, really, really strong receiving core already. Uh, Kenny Galladay is a stud. Um, you know, uh, Marvin Jones, really effective player, always has a couple of big games. Amendola, quietly, 60 catches, 700 yards. So, you know, they did add a couple of receivers later in the draft. They added Quintus, Quintus Cephas from uh, from. Uh, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, an interesting player. So I, I, I look, I like this offense. I think this is and they and Hawkinson, who had an unbelievable first game of the year last year and really did nothing else, battling injuries and stuff. So so hopefully this guy can can actually perform at a strong level. I think it's gonna be an improved defense. And I think the one thing to keep in mind, Matthew Stafford, before he went down last year, I told everybody this, he was the number two quarterback per week performance in fantasy. He had 2,500 yards, 19 touchdowns, five interceptions in eight games, only behind Lamar Jackson. You want to sleep a quarterback? That's your guy. Well, I'm going to touch base on what I think is the main event. It's DeAndre Swift against Kerryon Johnson. How this is going to play out. How is this going to play out for the Lions? And more importantly, for our show and for the people listening, how it's going to play out in relation to fantasy football. What makes this so interesting are the following factors. One, both players are obviously young players. Two, you're really not sure what the dynamics are going to be in terms of who is going to overtake who. And number three is they're kind of like the same player. They both do everything well. Neither guy does anything in spectacular fashion. Um, I think Kerryon Johnson is probably the better receiver out of the two, um, and he has a few years of experience on his under his belt. The, the strange thing about Kerryon Johnson is this: he he's missed more games than he's played in his NFL career, right? So you start thinking, oh boy, he's a guy that is definitely going to get hurt, uh, and Swift is definitely going to get in there, get the lion's share of the carries, and be a top 10 or 15 guy. But Kerryon Johnson played 36 straight games at Auburn. He played three years without missing a game. So is he becoming injury prone? Are the last couple years just a fluke? Is it going to be Kerryon Johnson with Swift mixed in? Is it going to be a full-blown timeshare? Is Swift going to overtake him? This is, to me, the most interesting duo matchup as far as draft with incumbent player in the entire NFL to see how it plays out. I think it's going to be interesting. I agree with the other stuff about Matt Stafford. Um, he's just uh, he's just rock solid. And uh, and uh, aside from these back injuries, which uh, certainly can happen playing that position, his productivity is 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 excellent. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. And we're going to talk a lot more about all of this as it gets closer to the season. But one, one thing to look right now at from a dynamic standpoint is the Swift carry on Johnson battle, uh, which leads us to last 
and certainly last, in my <laughs> opinion, and least, the Chicago Bears. And you mentioned you have a buddy who's a Bears fan, right? Yeah, yeah, that's Plath. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I looked at the Bears roster at the conclusion of last season, and I was very concerned. I looked at their draft equity coming into this draft and their lack of picks and their lack of picks early, and I was even more concerned. And then I look at what they did in the draft, and if possible, I'm even more concerned for the Bears. I am not liking the Bears. I'm going to let you talk about it first. Quite frankly, from an offensive standpoint, there's not much to talk about. Um, of course, they, they've made a quarterback switch. Uh, who knows how long that's going to last. But tell us uh, you know, what you think about the, uh, the uh, monsters of the Midway, Chicago Bears. I'm not sure about monsters, but maybe the midgets of the Midway this year. But anyway... Um... The Bears, there's not a lot of good things to say. I, I, look, they regressed significantly in this past season. I thought Nagy struggled as a play caller, struggled figuring how to how to use a guy like Montgomery at running back. We know what Tariq Cohen is, is specializes in, so I have no questions there. How you go into a draft with nine tight ends on your roster and you draft the 10th one, I don't get it. Why you sign a guy like Jimmy Graham to start with, who's got cement shoes, I don't get it either. Um you know, Mitch Trubisky, no faith in that player. That's a draft gone wrong. Uh, he doesn't get a fifth-year option. Nick Foles, okay, he's won a Super Bowl with the Eagles, but, you know, he was quickly sh- shipped out of uh, Jacksonville. So I don't like anything I see here whatsoever. And it's it's really a shame for their defense because the bad offense is hurting a good defense. Uh, and, you know, that impact could be the same. You know, I'd say the, the two glimmers of light that I saw last year were how Anthony Miller finally started to come out as a receiver. Second and a half of the season, really, really strong. He had a period of five games where he was targeted 50 times, 33 catches, 420 yards, and three touchdowns. So if he can build on that, fantastic. Allen Robinson is, is a good player. Riley Ridley, we haven't heard anything from that player. You know, he was drafted the year before, but didn't do anything last year. So, I don't like the Bears. I don't like the coaching. I don't like the weaponry. Uh, but they're going to have to figure something out because they got to keep that defense off off the field a little bit more because that's their most effective weapon. Well, so let's start with the coach. So it's one thing when you're an offensive coordinator on a team that has elite players, and then you call a play and you have Andy Reid sitting standing two feet next to you that says, nah, I think we're going to go to a different play, than going and you becoming the head coach of a team and you're calling the plays and your offense has limited ability, uh, a few decent players. I don't know what on earth they are doing with tight ends. I think like they're trying to have like see if they can break a record for most tight ends on an existing roster. Well, didn't they try but, to do that with the kicking position last year? They had that whole fiasco as well. Yeah, I mean, there seems to be a lot of confusion with Chicago, and in this division, it's it's not a, a division that you could get away with that. Um, I don't like the idea of taking Cole Komet with your first pick of your draft. Um, I don't even think he, he was, in my view, one of the top three tight ends coming out of college for, for this year's draft. You signed Jimmy Graham. I'm not sure what, what, the, what the plan is there. Terrible. Um, 
I saw one receiver pick, Darnell Mooney from Tulane. He could be an interesting pick, but, like, you know, he kind of reminds me of, like, Taylor Gabriel a little bit. Um, So, who and and their offense could have been put up more productive numbers with a better with better quarterback. Well, let me so, let me ask you a question on that, uh, Wiz. Um, last year they were last in the NFL in yards per attempt. So whether that's an indictment on Trubisky's ability or just obviously, obviously narrowing the, the playbook a lot, can Nick Foles help that at all? Yeah. So the good and the bad with Nick Foles versus Trubisky is. Nick Foles is a better passer. The, the thing is, if you don't have an off- a good offensive line and the Bears don't have a great offensive line, it's okay. Is The one thing that Trubisky excels at is extending plays, taking off and running. Nick Foles is certainly not going to do that. So you get better passing, uh, you know, traditional passing from Nick Foles. But if the offensive line doesn't hold up, you know, you're going to see a lot more sacks and, and, and those type of plays. So overall, it's not looking good, at least from my standpoint, for the Chicago Bears this upcoming season. Uh, I don't really like the existing roster. I don't like what they did at the draft. And uh, we'll, we'll see how much Foles can improve their offense. But, uh, you know, it's a tough division, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, I'd be surprised, quite frankly, if the Bears were not in the cellar unless it's completely – things go disastrous for Green Bay, which could happen. But I like the Lions and Vikings um, to lead the way in the uh, in the NFC North this year. But uh, that wraps it up. Uh, anything else you wanted to add, or we're, we're ready to move on to the uh, NFC South in our next podcast? We are ready to move on. Bad news for Plav, even though he disagrees with us, but I think we're right. <laughs> we'll see. All right, Th- yeah. Thanks a lot, Wiz. Hey, job, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back with the uh, NFC uh, South, everyone.